Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, mother-daughter team, Dr. Gloria and Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio. We're talking today about grieving the loss of a spouse, and our second guest is here with us, and her name is Lynn Prashant. Lynn Prashant is a therapist who gained an intimate knowledge of grief-related issues while caring for her dying husband. As a result of this experience, Lynn started a process she calls degriefing, which is a holistic approach to healing grief-related pain. Welcome to the show, Lynn. Hi, Lynn. Hi. Thank Welcome you to the show. Much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hi, Lynn. Well, we're on with the same topic of uh, healing after the loss of a spouse. And um, tell us about the loss of your husband, Lynn. Uh, my husband's name was Mark Greenberg, and we met in our early 30s. And uh, Mark had been dealing with cancer uh, since he was 23 years old, had a reoccurrence at 28, and then about 32, uh, 33 years old, uh, we realized that the cancer was back, and uh, we went to Sloan Kettering to the original doctor that Mark used. Wow, so and, it's the best hospital uh, in, one of the best hospitals in the country for these kind of things. Absolutely, and this very lovely doctor looked in his eyes and said, we are out of things to offer you. Wow. And so we headed up to Roswell Park Memorial Institute, and it was at that uh, location that Mark was given the gift of a book of Stephen Levine's called Who Dies, and Mark uh, sat down and wrote to Stephen and Andrea, and when they got his uh, letter, uh, they invited us to come to the Living Dying Project, which at that time was housed in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and this was 1981. Mm-hmm. And, and so you, he died there? He died in 1984. Uh, we lived at the Living Dying Project for actually eight full months, and wow. he died in July of 1984 at the Living Dying Project. And we'd been working with uh, Stephen and Andrea Levine and Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and the staff of the Dying Project. Well, you were certainly with some of the greats um, in, in that uh, going through that dying process. And there's so many people who are working in that area that are wonderful and the hospice programs and all the things that have come about by then. And and now we're talking about how have you gotten through as a spouse. You, he had, I would say, well, you was, would you say he had a, a fairly, as it could be, uh, good death or? Well, I would say that one of the things that was very important to Mark was to get in touch with, when we, we had a private session with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross when we were at the Living Dying Project. And one of the most important things to Mark was to be clean and clear with everybody in his life. Uh, because his process went on uh, with remissions, of course, in the middle uh, for 13 years, he was wise beyond his, his age and of years because he had looked death in the face several times. And how many years I, were you married? We were, we were together for three years. We yeah. met in uh, 1981 and were together until Mark's death in 1984. Right. And those three years of my life absolutely uh, defined my direction. Mm-hmm. I had uh, always known I would work with people rather than machines or objects, and I was a physical education teacher originally, and this just clarified my direction 
with the love and the support I got from top-notch professionals, I realized that at such a young age, I might just devote my entire life to recognizing what my experience was and how I could uh, translate that into working with other people. You're not supposed to do that, Lynn. Didn't you know that? Didn't anybody tell you that? How didn't they tell you that? I, I guess I missed that piece of information. <laughs> uh, we hear that out there, don't we, Heidi? Absolutely. When I told my dissertation committee that I was going to write my uh, dissertation on the sudden death of a sibling, they tried to talk me out of it. They said it was too near and dear to my heart. Absolutely, and I'm not supposed to be working in grief and loss because I've had a child die, and we're not supposed to be doing this uh, from the, from a lot of people's point of view because then we didn't get, get quote to get over it. So I think the message that we're bringing people is you don't have to get over it, do you, Lynn? No, Gloria. Actually, and Heidi, um, in my work, which I call degriefing, which is truly an oxymoron because as long as we are uh, aware, sentient beings, we will be able to sense the grief all on the planet. So degriefing is truly an oxymoron. And the intention is to transform the available grief, the pain of the grief, the reality how our world has shifted. And in my work and in my experience, having lost my own sister seven years ago as well mm -hmm. to breast cancer, my sister Donna, we don't get over our losses. We change relationship to them. Mm -hmm. And as Paul was saying in the last half hour, I would never want to, quote, unquote, get over Mark or get over Donna. They live in my heart and will be there uh, for the rest of my life. And you so, are such an expert on how to move through the grieving. Grief is work. Somebody emailed us recently and said it's been six years since uh, my child died and, and I was taking antidepressants and medication. I've stopped now and I'm really sad. And I thought, you're getting ready to do the work. I mean, right. some stuff can block you from the work. And um, I love some, that you're, you've got this uh, degriefing, and I think it can be found on your website. We'll talk about that. I'm sure it can. But I want to talk about some of your actual practical things that you've got for people. I, I was thinking as I was looking over the things that you recommend that people can do to work with their grief, and um, I realized we naturally do a lot of them, but it's wonderful to look at them in context of, okay, I'm doing this for myself. For instance, water therapy. Talk about that. Well, you know, Gloria, water is a great uh, equalizer. And I have found in the therapeutic work I do with others and as myself as well, it can be anything from running my hands under purely cold water with my feet planted on the ground in front of the sink, breathing through my nostrils, or as uh, could also be that would be cold water and then hot bath with either uh, aromatherapeutic oils or Epsom salt, just the soothing nature of water. Since that and go buy yourself a rubber ducky. And the rubber ducky or bubbles. And, you know, I really, uh, what you said about the activities, my premise is that grief is the most available, untapped emotional resource for personal transformation. Because socioculturally, we've been taught if we have grief, we'll get over it. We should get over it. Change our focus. If we lose our favorite Spalding ball, well, we're told we'll buy you another. And, the truth is that nobody or nobody's replaceable. There'll be nobody in my life that touched me the way Donna did, and Donna will live in my heart 
and the same with Mark. And the question is, how do I live and serve and work in the honor of the love and the memories that I shared with them to be with others, to talk about grief, to name it? So if it's cold water or hot water. Or, and you also had another drinking, uh, another therapy, which is drink water. Exactly. Using water in any healthy capacity, swim in it, walk in it, uh, soak in it, go to hot springs, go to the beach and walk along the edge, letting the water um, touch our feet and hearing the sound of the ocean. And then another thing you talked about is touch. And I realized I do something really strange sometimes, and I never thought about it as being therapeutic. Sometimes I'll roll up in a little ball and just rock myself. Exactly. Well, well, when you see kids in orphanages that haven't had touch, and that's how they soothe themselves as well, is rocking. Yes, rocking is a self-soothing technique. The premise here is that if grief is, in fact, a resource for transformation, How do we get in touch with what we need to take the pain of the grief, which is real? It's not in our minds. It's in our bodies. Our minds recognize the information. Our bodies feel the pain of the information. The body's our barometer for our feelings. How do we ask ourselves, what do I need today? Do I need to rock myself in a little ball, a a fetal position on my bedroom uh, carpet? Do I need to crawl around the living room and make moaning sounds? Do yeah, I that's to... another thing, sound therapy, music, singing, but also screaming. Do we think about the fact that we, when we scream in our car after a loss that is actually therapeutic? It's not crazy. Exactly. That's exactly the point. The intention is to find what works for each of us and to find out how to approach the grief-related pain to, in a dignified, self-loving way. In my work, I also use take the word selfish and uh, translate it as care of the self mm. because so often we're afraid to take care of ourselves. We've been raised to believe that if taking care of the other is a lot more honorable. And what I've learned not only from working with my clients but working with other healthcare professionals when I teach around the country is that self-care or the caregiver's quest for healing, is how we as caregivers also learn to transform the pain that we can feel because fresh grief re-stimulates old grief. Right, re-stimulates those uh, brain cells, right, those areas, and the, the body, uh, body memory, right? Exactly. We have an area of our brain where we house memory. And when certain stimuli, whether it's a touch, a taste, a smell, a sight, stimulate our memory, well, the entire system goes into agreement, not only produces the memory, but the feelings of the memory. And this is one of the indications that some of our unresolved issues uh, live within our body. Mm -hmm. And so if... And you talk about the mental, too, and I never thought, uh, again, about uh, mental activity, which you talk, you have, for all these categories, you have different things that you can do, which is great. But mental storytelling um, and reading and writing are mental uh, healing activities, and we always say, you know, tell your story over and over and over um, and and write it and journal for people who want to do that. That's one of the, only one of the healing activities. I think we focus on that too much. 
because we've got the physical. You talk about one thing that's physical that I love, and that's skipping. Why not go out and skip? Exactly. Why not allow our bodies to express themselves in the way that we can feel some shift within our body-mind or our mind-body? Uh, there's a doctor from the University of Chicago named Eugene Gendlin, and he talks about identifying a felt sense in the body, and when we identify it, then we can all often experience what's called a bodily shift. And one of the things that people ask so readily when they are in grief, what can I do? What can I do to work with this pain? Where do I hug myself to soothe my pain? Because the pain of loss is real. And that's uh, one of the aspects I work with. I teach at UC Berkeley and I've taught at the Mayo Clinic. It's about making the grief our fuel for transformation. Oh, I like and, that, fuel for transformation, because it is intense. What a time to be able to use it. Well, see, that's it. None of us would willingly say, okay, I'd love to feel some grief now and transform it. Yet... Life presents us with loss as a daily event. But the problem is the world says to us, let's forget it, let's stop it, let's figure out how to medicate it. I mean, let's, they don't realize we need to transform it. I mean, it's a huge energy. You got a thought on that, Heidi, before we go to break? I'm just thinking that Lynn's background as a phys ed teacher really prepare her and she knew at the core how important physical fitness and physical is because I love how you combine counseling with physical care because so often, as my mom just said, we ignore the physical aspects and Absolutely. just focus on the counseling part. It's degriefing.com, and as it's spelled, D-D-E, griefing, G-R-I-E-F-I-N-G. And, uh, yes, and it's also a way to reach me directly. I also wrote a basic manual called Transforming Grief, and that's also available on the website. I will tell you something. Buying Transforming Grief will help you to transform your grief if if you're in the process of wanting to know, you know, what you can do. You've got so many suggestions for all of these areas, for, for sound therapy, for yoga. Talk about your yoga. Uh, you've got different positions for yoga that people can do. Even if you've never done yoga, she explains very simple things that you can do. You see, it's not about the proficiency with which we approach these different activities. I call them transformative activities. And as we were talking at the break about your granddaughter, it's a very, very natural aspect of our physical nature to express We were talking about um, Heidi's little girl. I'm in New York, and Heidi's little girl said to me, uh, Grandma, let's, let's skip and miss the cracks. And then I remembered, you know, the old thing, uh, step on a crack, you break your mother's back, step on a line, you break your father's spine, or something that I heard when I was a little kid, and we were just skipping along and uh, just thought, uh, how amazing, and thinking about that, if you were really feeling depressed as a transformative activity, uh, is something that you'll find in Lynn's uh, book, Trans- Transforming Grief. And, and we, were, we were just saying, a lot of children do this, these kind of things every day. They play in water, they skip, they, they rock, they self-soothe every day, and as we get older, we don't... We forget to do those kind of things or don't do them as much. Well, the grieving process, um, Heidi, absolutely. Uh, we uh, Many people struggle with being appropriate so that their families can tolerate the depth of their pain or friends or coworkers. Appropriate versus authentic. Yeah, and, and how about teenagers? How about kids, Heidi? How about friends uh, of siblings expecting them to be, quote, appropriate, fun at the party, right? 
Well, you know, I was yeah. reading your book, um, uh, Grief Relief for Teens, and one of the ways I've worked with teens is I've asked them, if you were a song, what song would you be now? If you were an like animal, that. what posture? If you were a color, what color? Because there's a place within all of us that uh, grieving people above all need to be heard. They need to be met exactly where they're at, and they need to be heard. And if we give individuals this vehicle or an option, choice of vehicles, do they want to put on them their uh, MP3 player and just sing along with it, dance or jump or uh, ride their bicycle up the side of a mountain? I know for myself when my sister was dying seven years ago, Mark died 25 years ago, seven years ago, eight years ago when Donna was dying, I would get on the treadmill after work and there I would just find tears. I'd just use all my love for her and all the pain I felt in my heart and fuel my workout. And sometimes I would find myself crying as I was walking on the treadmill. Mm-hmm. Someone it, once told me that they didn't know you could cry while you were swimming. <laughs> <laughs> That's mm-hmm. wonderful. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, another thing I like uh, is your aroma area because you talk about different smells and what they do for you, and I really like that because you don't need an aromatherapist to, to work with you. You can read Lynn's uh, book on transforming grief, and you can see a whole section on what kinds of things. I particularly like lavender, and you talk about the benefit of it, and I like ginger, and you talk about the benefit of that. So there are a lot of uh, different ideas about that, which I loved. Well, that's good to mention that, Gloria, because the olfactory sense is the sense that is said to trigger memory very Mm -hmm. quickly and profoundly. And by allowing ourselves to inhale an aroma, it not only has a transformative action, lavender being calming and soothing to the system, it also can provoke memory. And in that moment when we have a flood of memories coming back regarding that person we love, when I smell lavender, I'll often remember my maternal grandmother because she always had this scent of some kind of mystical aroma. And so uh, the olfactory system, the olfactory sense is one of the most profound walking in the kitchen, smelling coffee, remembering family, remembering times around the table when we were kids. Now, so now what, Lynn, I, I know you do workshops and everything. Can you tell our audience about uh, how they would find out about those and where they are? And Yes, thank you. Um, I lead, uh, first of all, I'm going to start a group. I, I'm based in San Francisco. I'll be leading a group called Eight Weeks to Grief Relief at St. Mary's Hospital. I'll be teaching at California Pacific Med Center uh, a, te- a class. I'm a massage. I'm a therapeutic massage teacher and I teach body workers to work with grieving individuals. So I'll be teaching that at California Pacific Med Center, and I'm one of the co-writers of the program at UC Berkeley, Changing Paradigms in Loss and Grief, and we'll have a three-day symposium there in the end of February, beginning of March. Um, I also lead a certification training for continuing education credits and units, um, teaching healthcare professionals how to work with grieving individuals with the sensitivity and respect and clarity that a vulnerable grieving person is so entitled to. Now, how Uh, will I find you and find out about these classes? Are they all on your website? 
They're on my website. Uh, we're actually adding. I've been invited to speak in Oregon, so we're in the middle right now of uh, uh, updating the website. But you will find everything there, including a way to get the manual. And you can read about the five-day certification training. There's a wonderful, um, uh, when people come to me and ask me, what is it that I'm feeling? I want to work in this field. I tell them that it's they're being called. It's not something that we wake up one day and say, oh, I want to be a grief counselor. It's more what our lives show us. And I do my work in honor of my late husband, Mark, and my sister, Donna. And I work with people also uh, to recognize what ritual they might create. You, Heidi and Gloria, you have created something in Scott's memory. And many people, if we know, for example, the Susan B. Komen Foundation, and it's about finding what is it in our hearts that wants to express a way to honor our lost loved ones, uh, pets, husbands, wives, colleagues, neighbors. I agree with what Paul said. It's the expression of the depth of our grief is equal to the depth of our love. You have been listening to Open to Hope Radio. You can sign up for our newsletter, Facebook, and Twitter on our homepage at opentohope.com.